What does making sales social mean to you? That's an oxymoron, right? The word sales and social next to each other don't make any sense. And I, I suppose that's true. To make sales social, what you put out there should expect a conversation back. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast, featuring the top voices in sales and marketing. Join hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick as they discuss the best tips and strategies they are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here are your hosts, Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick. Hey, welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bill McCormick. I'm Bryn Tillman. So Bryn, who's joining us today? I am so excited about our guest today. Jeff Molander is one of these people on, on LinkedIn and social that draws me in all the time. So for years and years, I've followed him. The content that he puts out there is creative. It creates intrigue and curiosity and tons of engagement. And every once in a while, it's even controversial. But at the end of all of it, he's got people talking and starting conversations. So when you and I were looking for a kind of a little uptick to our messaging, we went right to Jeff and hired him to help us with some of our stuff. And so we wanted to take his genius and share it with you, the audience today. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good. Good, guys. Thanks for having me. So tell, tell the audience a little bit about you. I, um, I have found out that I'm a good teacher. When I was probably 25 years old working in marketing, didn't think I'd ever end up in sales. And uh, I saw other teachers, people were teaching around me. I thought, man, I could never do that. And as it turns out, I'm, I, as I started doing it, I took a, took a path down the marketing and I still do marketing. And then I went into sales and I still do sales. And, uh, but I've, but the business itself that I find myself in today, really you know, people say to, say to me, what do you do? I teach. What do I teach? I teach a better way to help people start conversations, generally speaking with people who don't want to have conversations with them, which is what sales is prospecting and outreach and social selling is all about is the fact is that most people that we're reaching out to are very good at ignoring us. And, you know, the job is to get a conversation started with them. And many times they're, you know, they're avoiding us on the phone. They're avoiding us on uh, just about everything. So, but that's, uh, that's what I do. I suppose is a little bit about me is I teach, uh, I've got a couple of dogs. I like to hike and fish and when I'm not working, but um, uh, like you guys, I, I love my work. And that's that's yeah. an important part of, um, I hope every, I wish everybody could be in that position to love what they do. Yeah, yeah. We, we both feel very, very fortunate to truly love what we do. And it's clear that you love what you do because your passion comes through like crazy. Definitely yeah. does, definitely does. So we're so excited to have you here. And so one of the traditions we have, we ask every guest the same question to start out. What does making sales social mean to you, Jeff? I remember a few years ago, and I don't remember who it was who said it, but they're like, that's an oxymoron, right? This word sales and social next to each other don't make any sense. Um, and I, I suppose that's true to a large degree. And what we see today is the word sales and social, whether you're engaging on LinkedIn and social media, or you're doing sales anywhere else, um, there's not a lot of 
etiquette involved, you know, it, it's, it's rough. It's a lot of connect and pitch and, you know, so I think what it means to me, I don't know if this is a valid answer, but it's kind of more of a confusion to me. Um, I think we've had how many years now of social selling? A decade, right? Something like that, plus or minus. So I think for me personally, it's a little bit confusing. Mm. So how would you make sales social though? Because you do. Well, I mean, there's a lot of talk about be empathetic, but you've got to be magnetic. And I think part of being magnetic, well, the fact of the matter is you've got to interrupt, you've got to be comfortable interrupting people. I mean, I think that's 80% of it, to be honest with you. Um, If you're comfortable interrupting people, you have to be good at it. There has to be something original or unique to you. So if you watch guys like Benjamin Dennehy over in the UK, I love to watch him. He's just, if you haven't had him on, you should, because he's an entertainer, but he's a damn good classically trained interrupter, Mm. you know, Sandler, classic type of stuff. So I think you have to be a good interrupter and you have to be comfortable interrupting and on the phone or with digital, you've got to be like, this isn't going to be just me pressing send. Right. There's, there's going to be something coming back at me. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of it is people press send and nothing comes back, which is. Mm. So I oh. love I just to clarify what you said or what I heard you say was to make sales social. What you put out there should expect a conversation back. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I think I'm kind of confused with how do you make sales social? Um you should, of course, be empathetic, but you've got to be, you've got to be disruptive. You've, you're breaking into people's days and they're just going like this on LinkedIn or on their, their mobile device. They're deleting. They're like, I don't want any of that. I don't want. So you've, you've got to break through. Um, and I suppose, you know, you, as you know, Brent, I'm all about sparking people's curiosity. And I think in, in a social context, that's what, when you go dating, you know, you're not going to get the next date unless that other person, unless, you know, has some curiosity about and has more questions for you. You know, I've got more questions for you. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, hopefully today, uh, I don't talk so much such that people might have more questions for me, right? That's the whole beauty of, of, I think the challenge for, selling in a social environment with social media is brevity. Mm-hmm. Less is more, right? Magnetic interruptions. Ah, that's the tweetable that's, that's, moment. That's it. Yeah, magnetic interruptions. Oh, there's a guy named Hank, uh, Hank Barnes from Gartner who says, he, he calls them, uh, he says, you've got to be graceful, graceful interruptions. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool term. I like that one better. I do. Yeah, that's good. That's oh, good. he's with Gartner. He's not Molander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. All right. So, so Jeff, so tell us what what do you teach your clients in the marketing realm in the physical world that they can apply that helps them at the the top of their funnel, the top of their pipeline. When you say physical world, what are you getting at? I'm not sure I understand. So, so what what are you teaching them to do each and every day? That, that they can do themselves as opposed to in the social mm-hmm. world, in the, in the physical world. Talk less about themselves, get comfortable with not asking for meetings, even though you're looking for a meeting. Um, those kind of things that you, 
you know, normally wouldn't do. And then again, like Benjamin Dennehy and this, the Sandler people have taught us very well that, you know, a lot of this were programmed from children. We've been told by our parents, don't talk to strangers. And there's a lot of, for some very good reasons. So we have to kind of um, engage in what Daryl Prale over at Vanilla Soft calls psychotherapy. So I find that I'm kind of in the psychotherapy business rather than, you know, it, there are pra certainly practical things that I teach you to do to help start more conversations, talk less about yourself, don't ask for a meeting, don't talk about your customers in email number one, you know, don't sound like a marketer. And there are many different ways that we can do that. So I'm the guy who comes in and kind of deprograms people from making a call to action. As an example, uh, if you're going to tell a story, there's a specific way you've got to tell a story. It's not, for, we did this for our client. No, it's these people did this, remove the our client part, right? That's irrelevant to sparking their curiosity. Otherwise, it just sounds like you're talking about yourself. You're trying to persuade people. So all that stuff that we have done to us, mm -hmm. all of us, mm -hmm. you know, we see it all the time and we're annoyed yep. by it. We're, you know, we know what marketing looks like. I've got to kind of come in and say, whoa, there's a different way that we need to come at this. I want to, can you go one more deeper on that sparking curiosity and how important that is? Well, I mean, you're not going to get a conversation started these days unless you have the ability to make somebody go, what are you talking about? That sounds important. Or no, we don't have that covered. Um and it sounds like you're, you're suggesting that you could help us with that. Or, yes, we do have that covered. I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. You know, even those responses, we have our, our students are doing very well going back at people who say not interested or got it covered and engaging them in a way that um, where there's a discussion, because many times you have to talk for a year, as long as a year before you can actually sell to somebody. So what do you do if you're selling, you know, you've got $5 million quota to sell and that it's a million dollars each thing. And you've only gonna, you're gonna sell five customers this year. Well, you've got to start talking to them way far in advance. So you've got to find a way to get them to go, huh, what? Stop, you know, they're going like this. Yeah. You've got to find a way to get them to go, oh, wait a minute, whoa, 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 what? We talk about more raised hands. And, and this really goes to the next question, I think, because there's a lot of noise out there. I mean, today, my, my email's filled with people who, who are saying, Dear Massey or Hello Massey, because my LinkedIn profile is Bill McCormick, comma, Massey, M-A-S-I. So they think that's my name. And then they say, hey, I sent you an email last week. You didn't respond yet. Catch the hint. But there is, there's a lot of noise that, that's out there. And so what is, and, and I think I know what it is, but what's the marketing strategy that you recommend that your clients do or perform that helps them stand out with, from, their, from their competition? That would be, say, I would have to say, say less. Uh, so as an example, let's change the context from cold email outreach, which is kind of what we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Let's say you've got warm leads coming in, lots of nice warm leads. You guys have like lots of nice warm leads coming in. When you, when looking different, I mean, no matter what the context is, cold outreach, warm inbound leads, you're going to reach out to them, just doing what other people don't do, breaking the pattern that they expect you to. So if you sign up for a webinar, you're probably going to get an email a few days later saying, thanks for signing up for the webinar. That's going to be the first sentence. Why would you thank them for sending up, signing up for the webinar? 
I would say when I, I don't thank people for signing up to my webinar, first of all, everybody does it. And the reason I don't thank them is they should be thanking me. My, I, I provided a lot of, and you might call that rude. Some people go, well, that's rude. I, I'm just telling you that if you break that pattern of the way that people are, you know, trained is expect all the, all of a sudden they start paying attention a lot more. Mm -hmm. So if you were to say to them instead, what caused you? And usually, usually that there's a, you know, thanks for attending the webinar, you know, it's going to be about a 15 to 20 second, maybe a 40 second read that they're asking for. I just send one. Uh, and I recommend you send one sentence. What caused you to attend the webinar? What caused you to download the white paper? And if you don't like that phrase, you can, you might, you know, you can change it. Like I, we might say, what triggered you? Co right, correct. What triggered you? Now, it depends on your model. You might not have the staff to respond to that. That might not be what, because I know, I remember working with you guys, you're like, well, we don't, you know, we want to send out messages. We'd like some help with these crafting these messages, but we don't want to go one-on-one -on -one necessarily with these people because we're not selling them a half a million dollar solution, right? So we can't afford, right? It's not, it's not part of our business model. So different people sell different things to different people. I'm just giving you one example of how we can, I'm sorry, Bill, I lost track of your, your question. I'm, how do you break out of the. Right. How do you, how do you help them to stand out from the competition? And, and you're, you're giving okay. a great, you're, you're giving a great example of, you know, I think about, you know, as we're recording this, it, it's, it's the holiday time. And, you know, while a lot of people won't be gathering in groups, we can all remember back to either Christmas parties from our past or family gatherings from our past. And we all have that, either that one employee or that one family member that you always wonder, you, you just never know what's going to come out of their mouth. And so while you may dread them coming, everyone's anticipating what, hey, what's Uncle George going to say today? And, and I think if what I'm hearing correctly is, is be Uncle George. You know, that, yeah. that person that says something, they're like, I, I, I've never gotten an email like this before. I've never, of course, keeping it clean and don't offend your clients. That's always top of the line. But, but, but being that way, and, and I think that that's a great, great idea. It's not easy to do necessarily, but because then people start thinking, oh, what do I say? I say focus on, um, I love your example, by the way, it, but because and it, it relates because it's not usually what is said, it's how it's said. It's usually that, you know, I expect everybody in the room to kind of have nothing to say, but um, I expect that guy to say some, the way he's going to say it is going to be different, right? So like, like uh, almost like certain presidents, right? Just like things come into your head and then they just come out of your mouth. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's essentially what you've got to do to, and is that social? I'm not sure that's social, but um, you've got to find a way to draw social, attention. The social piece, I think, is the, the goal is that you're creating engagement, right? That's social, whether it's awkward or not, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a socialness to it. So. And I think part of making sales social is taking that awkwardness and flipping it in a way that it, it it's leading towards a conversation that's that's going to go in the right direction. Absolutely. So. And there's a certain element of authenticity. Um, there's another great calling trainer named Scott Channel, and he um, he hits it on the head when he says, 
you know, how much uh, fake sincerity do you have to, uh, you know, give someone project to earn trust? You know, how much fake sincerity do you have to give to make someone trust you? Um, and we see a lot of the, those attempts at faking their way into being sincere about somebody, asking someone a question that clearly you don't have, an, you know, or, 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 or saying to them, you know, all this empathy with the, with the COVID situation and all that, you know, people, people know that, you know, you're just trying to shoehorn your way into a sales conversation. So, you know, be, be careful with that. But being authentic, you know, has a lot to, and, and your uncle, obviously, you know, <laughs> he's very authentic, right? Yeah, well, maybe maybe not record, your uncle, but your example. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say just for the record, I don't have an uncle George. So, um, <laughs> but uh, but all right. So so let's switch the conversation around just a little and talk a little bit more about consistency. So what what would you say is a is a daily marketing activity that you you teach your clients that if they're they perform it on a regular basis, um, they do it consistently. It's going to open up or create opportunities for them. Well, boy, we do a lot of things. But I would have to say less is more, you know, reducing the amount of words that you use um, when you use questions, the way that you structure a question should be avoid yes or no questions. Um, ask questions that focus on the customer's status quo situation. So don't ask me as a small business owner if I'm getting enough leads because you know I'm going to answer no. And I'm not going to answer no to you because um, that's a trap. I'm, I'm yes. going to make myself vulnerable to you. You're going to pitch me. So I'm simply not going to do it. So again, getting back to this breaking patterns, we've got to break out of the patterns of what we see in our own inboxes uh, and so I try to be consistent with, you know, let's identify what these are. When I say questions should, you know, it, it, may, it might take some time to explain to you and show you some demos, some questions that are structured in a way that ask, that help you reflect on your status quo situation, right? What would cause you to examine new ways to generate leads? Hmm. That's not a hook question. Right. That's a question that makes me, well, what would cause me? Well, what would cause me to, or when would I be ready to, you know, uh, that's a question about my own decision making process. It's not a question that's going to lead me into a trap. I love that differentiator. So, like, just like I want to make that really, really clear. The questions that work, that create the thinking, the, hmm, let me contemplate that are when we are asking them about how they think about their situation, how they think about their process or their goals, not necessarily how it relates to hiring us. Correct, which is uh, gives them this space, mm -hmm. right? They need a little space to go, hmm, and stop being assaulted with these questions, these hook questions that are self-serving, which is definitely not social, Right. And um, yeah, so you've got to, I always like to say, create that space. So Bill, to answer your question, I guess, you know, how do you consistently create that space? So not, don't ask for the meeting, be aware of yes or no questions in general, be aware of the bias, the inherent bias in most of your questions. So, 
you know, having a sense of awareness of all of these things that we normally do because we've been trained to do it. We've been told by other sales trainers to do it. We receive it in our inboxes. We see it all the time. We figure, oh, that must, must work. These are the things that are, are difficult to, you know, break the pattern. I, I want a follow-up question on, because the, the, what goes through everyone's mind, and, and we agree, we are very aligned with how you think. But the number one question we get, and, and we know how we answer this, is then how do you convert that into a conversation, whether a phone call or a Zoom call or whatever that might be, if we're not asking for the call? What is the cadence or the, the process that you recommend that people do so that they can take it from social to one-on-one? Yeah, yeah that's the question. And it really depends on the context. So as an example, as you're describing, the, you're giving me the question I'm thinking in my head, I was recently presented uh, by someone who I don't I do business with. I just met him on LinkedIn and he's a geek. He, he practices all this stuff. He's always practiced it. And he said, look, I documented this exchange with somebody and uh, it started with a rejection. It started with, we've got it covered. So people get that all the time. Yep, we're on it. We've got it covered. I answered so, pitching me. Exactly. So exactly. So he says, I go back on these and I go back consistently because I know from his experience that there's two things. They're either going to, uh, oh, I forgot what his one, they, they're either looking for an excuse to talk about their themselves or uh, what was the other one? I can't remember what his other one was, but he's like many, you know, for him, he said 60 to 70% of the time, if he's done his job right, he's identified people who are open to talking about themselves. So what he does is he goes back and he finds different ways of saying, well, what do you mean by that? And, you know, how can you, so it's more of a, I'm here, uh, I'm aware of this trend or this issue. And um, I've made a uh, uh, I've, I've come at you with this. I'm interrupting you. I'm looking to have a conversation. You've said, we've got it covered. I know where you're going with this, Mr. Salesperson, but I've got it covered. And then what, what do you mean by that? That is, again, breaking this pattern and really um, finding a different... So, so connecting that um, marketing or that sales outreach or that outreach, you know, with, with the actual conversation is, you know, it can be a rejection like that. It can be someone saying not interested. And again, statistically, we know that not interested oftentimes means they're, they are confused about what they, what you've just said to them. They're not, it's not that they're not interested. That's the way that they express it. So it really depends on, you know, making that connection is um, depends on the situation. This is this has been fantastic. I know you know Bryn and I can speak to uh, Jeff what you do and how you work with people because, I mean, we had short emails and it took forever to get them. Not not forever. It just took a while because this is not easy to do. Uh, asking questions and coming up with the right questions. To this day, now when we're talking about emails, Bryn will say, "No, you can't ask a yes or no question." So you, she learned well from you. So, um, so how, how can people reach out to you, connect with you, learn more about how to work with you? Sure. Best way to get going is join our academy, our online academy, uh, gold, silver, bronze level. At the moment, as at this recording, bronze is free. We're looking at a, 
at uh, changing that in the near future. But uh, if you, you go sign to, up quickly, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sign up quickly. Uh, if you go to joinsparkacademy.com, that's the easiest way to get involved. Learn a little bit about what we've been talking today about how to grab the attention in a different way. You know, less is more, and how to spark that curiosity in uh, in your potential customers. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining us and uh, to everyone listening for Making Sales Social. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.